Welcome back to another week of the Rev MD podcast. Thanks so much for joining, and we are excited to talk this week about denials, all about denials, because I'm going to tell you this is one of the most important things for managing your accounts receivable is understanding denials, because it can be one of the things that creeps up and creeps up and creeps up. And next thing you know, you've got six, seven figures worth of accounts receivable. It is probably also the was one of the most painful things we manage in our company. Um, we have trackers and meetings on this, and it is a constant focus because it's also one of those things as a billing company that we can't do independently. And what I mean by that is our team can't manage the denials typically on our own. It has to be a team effort between the office and the billing team. So today we are going to talk a little bit about denials, what kind of denials are we commonly seeing, and then how do you manage denials with your billing team. And so we're going to talk about those top four types of denials that we get and basically how we manage working with our offices and practices to manage their denials. So if you guys are listening for the first time, my name is Heather. I am a physician and have lived in the business side of medicine for about the last 10 years. We opened up a medical billing company about two years ago and have been enjoying helping educate and get physicians the revenue that they deserve. We are all about trackers and making sure that our team is tracking stuff transparently for our practices. A lot of this stuff is manual, but it does require a lot of communication and a lot of partnership between both the billing company as well as the office. So this week, we're going to talk a little bit about denials. We're going to talk about some optimal processes you can have in your office. We'll talk a little bit about appeals and just really how you coordinate efforts between both the office and the billing team. So with that, let's get started. If you guys aren't familiar with us, we are National Revenue Consulting. We own a full service billing and coding team, and we are adamant that there are two things that have to happen when it comes to billing. Obviously, fast communication, transparency on data, and that everybody knows kind of what their role is and what their job is. It is certainly a process that still requires a lot of manual work, and so it's important to have really clear processes set up so that you can track and trend issues that come up so that you know that they've been resolved, and that includes whether that's an issue with credentialing or that's an issue with a denial at the claim level. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today. If you are looking for a new billing and coding company, we would love to help you. Check out our website at nationalrevenueconsulting.com. We also have a free online self-assessment that you can go and click on on the first homepage. Or if you're ready to talk with someone, shoot us an email at info at nationalrevenueconsulting.com. All right, let's get started. So first things first, why do we track denials? And obviously, you can track denials on two different levels, right at the macro level. So at the end of the month, you're trying to see what is our percentage of denials. And you want that you know, less than 10%, ideally in that kind of 5% range. If you do a lot of procedures or if you do a lot of hospital work, sometimes those tend to be higher if you're tracking denials that include information or medical record requests, which we do typically track those. So that's where you can have some variation in terms of denial percentages. So you want to understand what you're tracking in your denials. 
and making sure that, you know, you're not tracking denials that are, say, a patient responsibility um, code, which sometimes, depending on your software, can falsely elevate your denial percentages. So again, looking at what you're counting in your denials is really important. So again, that macro level is that high-level denial number. Now, if you get into the details on the claim level, you want to understand for each denial that you're getting, what is the reason for the denial, right? Is it eligibility? Is it prior auth? Is it coding? Is it an information request like I brought up where they're just asking for medical records to understand necessity of certain things? Is it a non-covered reason? And so really tracking and trending denials at both the high-level view as well as the claim details is important. The high level is just to understand tracking and trending month over month. Getting into the claim level detail is really important because you need to now know, okay, how am I going to fix these issues? And so when you think about a denial process, your billing team should have a way to track and trend all of your denials. So you, at the end of the month, you can understand, okay, this many is due to eligibility and are they getting that information back to you? So what we commonly do is we track and trend the AR or denials, depending on how we're managing the practice and depends somewhat on the practice management software. And we make sure that those issues then get brought to the practice manager, right, in the office so that they can say, okay, we had some eligibility denials, who's who's tracking and trending and, and managing the eligibility process? Or if there's prior auth issues, who's working to improve that? And here's some examples so you can retrain those staff. Because again, eligibility and prior auths are typically something that's done by the front office, even when you have an outsourced billing company. So We'll talk a little bit about the top denials, but it's important for you to high level have an understanding of, okay, I've got to track my denials, big picture, right? At the end of the month, is it 5%, 10%, what is it? And then at the claim level, what are the denials happening because of? Again, information requests are not really something you can necessarily you know, get away from, you just have to submit those medical records, but it does help you understand bandwidth or time that it takes to manage denials. And the more and more denials that pile up, the harder it is for your AR team to manage your AR. And that's oftentimes why a lot of people get their AR out of control because the denials are high. We're not fixing the root cause of the denials or we're slow to fix the root cause of the denials. And so then at the end of it, your AR starts to balloon because there's not enough resources to do that. So you have to look at, do I need more AR resources? How am I going to work around and and fix this? And as an outsourced billing partner, we really have to work with the practice on this. And that's why, you know, having those trackers, whether it's an AR denial tracker to help call out, okay, these are the issues we're seeing so that they can get addressed by the practice. You know, we typically kind of have two levels of trackers, one at the claim levels of the AR or the denials, um, and then one where it's a high level issue tracker that then are escalated to the practice manager to say, hey, we need a portal for this or so-and-so is not credentialed or, you know, we're getting a denial for XYZ. And so those things then become super duper important. Now, on to the top denials that we typically see. So first, we see, especially in our procedure-heavy practices, info requests or medical record requests. And a lot of this is just part of the insurance process. Um, A lot of that can come from if you use Modifier 25 a lot or you do 
a lot of tests or procedures in their office. And so they're wanting to assess, why did you do that? And so they'll ask for medical records or information to see if it met medical necessity. And I'm going to talk a little bit about medical necessity here. I, I know in a medical record, it's challenging to always document everything, but I'm going to tell you why it's super important. Because if your team's getting a lot of those information medical record requests, say it's for a specific CPT code, say it's a procedure, and you're not really walking through in the medical note about why you're doing the procedure, why you're doing the test, you know, are you trying to diagnose something? Are you trying to treat something? You know, what is it in your differential? What is the test going to help you, you know, come to a conclusion for? If it's for treatment, what are you treating? What, you know, and you really have to tell the story. And again, I know it's a pain, but this is what helps your AR team when they resubmit those medical records, get those codes approved for. And so oftentimes it's twofold. It's what are you putting in the ICD-10s? And we've talked about this before, really telling that clinical story with all the ICD-10s that are applicable, you know, typically from the most uh, time-consuming or most serious ICD-10 first, and then to the least severe or the least time-consuming last, but then also in your note explaining, okay, I've done this procedure, I'm doing this procedure, I'm doing this test, here's the reasons why, here's what I'm thinking, here's why this is important, and then here are the findings that I find if we're, you know, say it's an ultrasound or whatever. So you kind of have to start that story from start to finish. Again, this is time-consuming, this is where templates can be helpful, but again, a lot of this is going to be very dependent on what you're physically seeing with that specific patient. So this gets extremely important because otherwise your team's going to submit multiple medical records. They're going to be coming back to you and it's back and forth and back and forth. So that takes time away from your AR team that normally if they're doing this and crump, crunching this out, they're able to um, be, you know, be able to submit that the first time around. It also, you know, kind of lends itself into the appeal process, right? So if your team is having to appeal something, can they look in your medical note and really understand, okay, why did you add that 25 modifier and what does that mean? And does your medical record explain that? And so if your medical record explains why you had to use a 25 modifier on an E&M, for example, then your AR team is going to be able to take that information, put it in the appeal letter and be able to get that to the payer. So again, info requests or documents, very time consuming, um, a very common reason to get a quote unquote denial um, and something that really lends itself to having you understand, okay, what am I putting in my documentation? Is it going to get approved for the first time? And making sure that everybody kind of understands, you know, the codes that you're dropping and the level of documentation needed to kind of meet medical necessity. That kind of leads us into our other denial reason. Uh, so number two, coding. Coding denials are very common. Um, and a lot of times this has to do with um, either adding a modifier and they're wanting to see documentation for that, or they're denying it because they don't believe that, you know, that modifier should be used, or maybe they want to see, you know, if it meets medical necessity. So they'll throw a coding denial on there, or there's a mismatch between the CPT and the ICD-10 code. So say there's a CPT code that you dropped, but it doesn't meet medical necessity in terms of the LCD guidelines, in terms of the ICD-10s that you dropped. So you'll get a coding denial, it doesn't meet medical necessity. And so again, that's why Medicare specifically has those, um, 
lists that you can go into their website. I think I've talked about it in the past where you can pull the CPTs and then look by CPT, which ICD-10 codes qualify to meet medical necessity for that specific CPT code. So again, coding denials are really important. If you see a lot of those, right, if you're seeing a high number of coding denials, then the question is, have you had a coding audit in the last year? Everybody should have one annually. And then number two, if you haven't had a you know coding den- audit, I would certainly recommend getting those. But if you are getting a lot of coding denials and you've had an audit, is it time to look at documentation? And so a lot of those things can go hand in hand. And so highly suggest partnering with a team who can do a coding audit for you, help educate and teach. And our team um, does that for clients. And so we're happy to help with that if you guys are looking for a coding audit. Okay, number three, and again, these really aren't in any specific order, just depends on the practice, kind of what level of percent of denials you kind of get as the highest reason of denial. So number three is eligibility uh, or any sort of prior auth denial. These are, again, are a very common denial. Understanding eligibility upfront when a patient comes in is so important because if your team is managing eligibility denials on the back end, they're having to spend their wheels doing that where if we'd fix it on the front end, they're not having to resubmit those denials. So it, it just bogs down your AR team when they could be focused on more important things. And so if your eligibility process or your prior auth, auth process upfront is really solid, then you're not going to have as many eligibility denials on the back end. And so your AR team is going to be able to focus on those more serious denials and not fixing subscriber IDs or demographic information or all of that stuff. So eligibility uh, and prior auth denials are extremely important. So last, we'll talk about non-covered charges. This is another common denial that we see come across. So non-covered charges basically means CPT codes that are not paid by Medicare or any other insurance company. And that could be for a number of different reasons. So this can be they're medically unnecessary or unreasonable. They're just not covered by that patient's plans or they're considered bundled. There's a number of different reasons that Medicare or other insurances can say they're non-covered charges. And you have to be really careful with this. And I I know we already did a podcast on this, so I'm not going to go into detail on this, but you have to understand, you know, what you're going to do with those non-covered charges. Because if they're never, ever part of a patient's plan or Medicare, they're never, ever covered, then you can work with the patient ahead of time, right? Because you should be doing eligibility. And for a lot of these, they're more often, you know, procedures or other kind of, you know, things that may be considered experimental. If you let the patient know they're non-covered and they sign a form or like an ABN for Medicare, then you could have the patient billed. Now, if you don't do that, a lot of these then need to be written off. And so you do have to be really careful with non-covered charges and really understand, are these just never ever covered? Did you get an ABM or something signed by the patient to let them know, hey, these are gonna, these may be non-covered. If they are, you're going to have to pay XYZ. Or if that wasn't done, then oftentimes these things do need to be written off. So you do have to be really careful with non-cover charges. And you want to understand what CPT codes are causing these issues. Um, is it something that you need to submit different ICD-10 codes on based on obviously what you're seeing the patient for? And so understanding non-cover charges and why you are getting those and what payers are doing that is going to be really important both from your 
eligibility process, right? Are we checking that ahead of time? Are we getting the necessary information to have patients sign an ABN for, say, Medicare? Or are you having to write these off? So again, just something to be really careful of. So again, what did we talk about today? We talked about why is it important to track denials, right? So you want to have kind of a big picture view at the end of the month, but then also a per claim view of denials or tracking within your accounts receivable, depending on how you track those things so that you can understand, okay, what denials am I getting? And how is my AR team solving those problems? Are those things getting escalated to the practice when necessary? And then we talked about several different, four different types of denials that are common and how to manage those. So hopefully this helps, you know, you kind of think about your denials. And again, if you're working with a billing company or a billing team and you have no tracker or no understanding of what's going on, no metrics, it may be time for a change. So we are a full service medical billing and coding company. We are owned by a physician, which is myself and my husband, and we would be glad to help you if you are looking for a new team. Head over to our website and check out that new online self-assessment that you can do that kind of gets you thinking about some of those questions. All right. I hope you have a great rest of your weekend. 